on, let's give all of our moms a big hand one more time. Let's honor our mothers today. Today, I want to talk to you about the thought, going to a whole mother level. Sometimes we need to go to a whole mother level, right? Some of us dads need to go to a whole mother level. I want to dedicate this sermon uh, to not only my mom, who will be watching us at some point this week, and my wife, but all the moms that are here in the house, all the ladies in the house. But this message is more than just moms. It's also for dads, and it's also for anybody listening. There's going to be a lot of nuggets today that we can all glean from this story, and I believe it's going to challenge you, encourage you, and inspire you. Mom's jobs never end, does it? You got to get up before anybody else. You got to get the kids ready. You got to get them fed. You got to get them out the door. Make sure they got their backpacks and everything ready for school. You got to transport them to all the drop-offs and the different schools they got to be at. You got to come home and, and clean up the mess they made, put the laundry on, get the laundry going, get things prepped for dinner. And then that's only if you're not working a full-time job. And then you, you have a chance to get ready, but only to go pick them back up, all the school lines, you got to wait through, get them home, get them some snacks, get them ready for practice, get them to practices, get them to music practice, sports practices, all the things they belong into. Go around, make sure, and once the practice, we got to make sure they get to the games, and all the games are attending. I remember one time we had games going on at the same time, and I would run down to one field and watch them hit, and then run down and watch my daughter hit here, and then go back down and watch my son hit here. I was running back and forth. I was out of breath. I got about 50,000 steps in that one game. Amazing. I don't know how your moms do it every day. Only to get them home, to get them bathed, and homework's done, and dinner fed, and things cleaned up, and kids put to bed. <sighs> Only to catch your breath and go to sleep. And to wake back up and do it all over again the next day. And for the moms who are not only taking care of the families, but also working full-time and working part-time, you notice you can't clock out from being a mother. You can't clock out from being a parent. It, it can constantly goes and it goes and it goes. Today I want to talk to you about the story of Hannah. Hannah was a, a great story in the Bible. We're going to see more about this in just a second. But Israel was in a time when Samson had just died, and it was, was called a silent period of time when Israel didn't have a prophet who was hearing God speak. So when God wasn't speaking during this time period, they called it a silent time. And what happened was Israel was going through the motion. No one was hearing God speak, and so they began to kind of can we just say they were sleepwalking through life? No real challenges, no real direction from God, no real word from the Lord. So Israel is sleepwalking their way through life. Israel's in sleepwalking mode, just trying to survive. Any parents understand that part of the story? Yes. Sometimes I feel like we're just going through the motions, just trying to survive. But can I say that Satan loves it when Christians get into sleepwalking mode? Satan loves it when we get into sleepwalking mode and we're just trying to survive. 
We're not being effective for the kingdom. We're not really effective for our families. We're just trying to survive, just trying to get through the motions. And we're just going through the motions. Today, can we just make a declaration? Let's stop going through the motions. I want you to stop going through the motions. Let me be the alarm today that goes off and says, wake up. Wake up, wake up, mom. Wake up, dad. Wake up, son. Wake up, daughter. Today, wake up. Wake up. Stop going through the motions. Wake up. Smell the coffee. Realize that God's got something greater for your life. God's got a greater destiny with you. God is not done with your life. You haven't missed God's will. God wants to do something in your life of a greater purpose. And I want you to wake up today and see that God's got a purpose for your life. A greater destiny. Hannah went on a whole mother level. She went to a different level in her life. See if you can relate to her story. Some ladies today, you'll understand this. 1 Samuel 1, verses 1 and 2, there was a certain man whose name was Elkanah. Now, I know this is Mother's Day. Can I just say, if your name has Elk in it, you a man right there, all right? I just picture him like this burly man. Man of a man, yes. Elkanah. He had to be because he had two wives. God knows I can't control the one I have. I don't know how he had to. I just speak the truth, honey. That's all it is. Okay. All my love still goes to that one woman. All right. We're going on 30 years in a few weeks. It's going, yeah, we're getting there. Yeah. He had two wives, one called Hannah and the other, Penelia. Penelia had children, but Hannah had none. So let's set the story up. Penelia could just think about getting pregnant and she would get pregnant. She was fertile myrtle. <laughs> she didn't have to try, it just happened. And Hannah wanted to get pregnant really, really bad and the more she tried, nothing happened. Even today's time, we understand this is an emotional challenge for any woman or even any husband who they're wanting to have children of their own. Been there, done that. We understand your pain. Had a hard time conceiving, and then when we had, did conceive, we had three miscarriages. So I, I understand the pain. Understand the pain of where you've been through. Understand it's a hard time. It's an emotional pain becomes great to bear. During the time of Hannah, Children were seen as a badge of honor. So it becomes even greater of a stigma when you didn't have that badge of honor to give to your husband. If you didn't have children, they assumed because of their ignorance and poor training, they assumed that God must be mad at that person or that person had some secret sin in their past is why God is not allowing them to have children. So it became a place of shame of embarrassment, the sin must be bad, and to make it all worse, Penelia would mock Hannah publicly. You talk about catfight. We're talking about the real sisters of Israel. 
This is what happened. They go there, and they publicly, she would mock her, talk about how she couldn't have children, degrading her, throwing it up in her face. So you can understand the bitterness of Hannah's heart. You can understand anybody had a right to be bitter, Hannah had a right to be mad and bitter. The weight of this was so great. So how did she respond? How did Hannah respond? Let's look at it now in verses 10 and 11. In bitterness, the Bible's not sugarcoating that. She was bitter. We can't blame her. In the bitterness of her soul, Hannah wept much and prayed to the Lord. And she made a vow saying, O Lord, Almighty, if you will only look upon your servant's misery and remember me and not forget your servant, but give her a son, then I will give him to the Lord for all the days of his life. It says she prayed and she wept, and it translated that she prayed and she wept loudly, that it was a groaning from the inside. You ever cried so hard that this came from the gut? And you couldn't stop it and control it. You just welled. That's what we're talking, this gut-wrenching well of a prayer. You ever cried so hard you don't even know what to pray? You can't get the words out. But out of your gut, this welling comes. We're talking about she was what we would call travailing in the spirit, where she was just coming out of her all of the anger, all of the disappointment, all of the bitterness deep down in her soul that she had for this lady and the disappointment and being mad at God and everything else. Now, if this had been me and this had been you, we would, if I was Hannah, I would have grabbed a head full of hair and gave her a right hook. I said, oh, today, not on my watch. You made fun way too many times. I would have been me. Just saying, I know I'm not that spiritual sometimes. And I just tell you, that's the way I would have felt. Claws came out, cat fighting began, right? But she didn't handle it that way. There was something different about her spirit. She takes her bitterness and frustration and she takes it to the very place that you and I need to learn to do the same thing. She takes it to God. And she cries out to God in her bitterness, in her frustration, she gives it to God. What Hannah is really saying is this through this prayer, God, not my will, but your will be done. God, if you give me a son, it'll all be for your glory. Not for my glory, not for my shame, not for my, may to be proud, but God, may it all be for your glory. How many of us have a dream or something that we want to be birthed that hasn't been birthed yet, it hasn't happened yet, how will you respond? How will you respond when your dream hasn't been birthed yet? How will you respond when what you're asking God to do hasn't happened yet? How will you respond when you feel disappointment? How will you respond when you have bitterness? How will you respond when you're hurt? How will you respond when you feel shame? How will you respond? Hannah said, God, not my will, but yours be done. God, it's all for your glory. See, there's something about that place that God can use. There's something about that place where God can multiply a miracle in your life. There's something about that place that God can work in your life. How do you respond? It's so important. 
Anybody can praise the Lord when the babies are popping out, but can you praise them when you haven't had one yet? Can you praise him in spite of all the rejection? Can you praise him when you haven't birthed the dream you've been promised? There is the true test of praise. At the same time, this is all happening. She's ended up crying before the Lord, the high priest Eli. You know what he said? He said, this woman is drunk. Listen to her cry. Which tells you this, this shows you the spiritual discernment that was not happening in Eli. Because while Hannah's actually crying out to God, he says she's drunk. At the same exact time, his boys are back behind taking the communion, getting drunk on the communion wine, sleeping with the girls who are volunteering and working at the temple. But yet, he says Hannah is drunk ignoring his own children who are out doing God knows what. See, there was no spiritual discernment happening. No wonder God wasn't speaking. Or was he speaking? Eli just couldn't hear from God. He couldn't even see his own children that were in trouble. He ignored the facts that his own children, it should have been Eli on the altar saying, God, save my family. God, change my boys. God, do something to my family. But instead, when a mom cries out, he goes, she's drunk. She's drunk. That must be what it is. So you see the climate of what it happens. His own family's out of control. Why as parents do we really want children? Can you answer that question today? Why did you really want children? Why do you desire children? Is it so we can live out our dreams through our kids? Right? Right. Some of you... You got dreams for your kids from the day they were born. But how many know it's not my job for my kids to live my dream? It's my God to pull God's dream out of them. That didn't cost you anything. That was free today. All kids say amen. Why do you want children? Is it so you can dress them up in these cute outfits? So you can have these adorable pictures that they'll grow up to resent someday? Hannah has this part right. Hannah got this part right. She took this to a whole mother level. It wasn't that she wanted children for the wrong reasons. She said, God, I want children so that my children, my son, can give you the glory, that my son can work for the Lord, that my son can be used of God. I'm talking about going to a different level. When's the last time you prayed that God... I want my children to be used of you. I want my children to be used for your glory. She decided she was going to have a child who would glorify God and do his will. Look at this. My first responsibility is to train my children to be a disciple of Jesus. Dads, moms, hear me today. My first responsibility the most important responsibility is, are they disciple of Jesus? Are you training your children with everything else? It's not teaching them how to save. It's not teaching them how to get good grades. It's not teaching them how to throw a ball. It's not teaching them how to work a job. The first responsibility, the most important responsibility is, am I training them up to be a disciple of Jesus? Train that up first, and everything else will fall on the line. 
Get the right thing, first thing first. Listen, stop sleepwalking through your life. Stop just getting by day to day and trying to survive. I love what Ephesians 5.14 says. Look what it says. Let's say this word together. Wake up. Wake up, O sleeper. Turn to the neighbor beside you and say, wake up. He's preaching to you. Some of you really need to wake up. Okay, wake up. Rise from the dead and Christ will shine on you. Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise. Making the most, making the what? Most, come on, let's say it. Making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Make the most of every opportunity. Today, you will never get today back. If you have a child in your home, you'll never get this day back with that child. They go by fast, and I just want to tell you, they don't slow down. They only get faster, right? Wake up. Wake up. I believe today, if you get nothing else from this sermon, I believe today that God sent me to tell you this, to sound the spiritual alarm. (laughs) Wake up. Stop sleepwalking your way through life. Enjoy the gifts that God has given you. Are you discipling? Come on, don't work all your life to give your kids something they're not asking for, but give them the thing that lasts for eternity, and that's Jesus. Are you really making people who will make Jesus proud? Are you training people up who will show Jesus, who will serve like Jesus, who will love like Jesus, who will lead like Jesus? Come on now, who are you leading? Wake up. Wake up. Hannah went to a whole mother level. Wake up. The most important thing we can leave our children is not a house. It's not a bank account. It's not savings. It's not a boat. The most important thing we can leave is a godly heritage. If they know this house was built upon a strong foundation, that this is the only foundation that will remain. Are you giving your children what they need most? Are you giving your children what the things that matter most in their life? God heard Hannah's prayer and gave her a son. His name was Samuel. And Samuel means God has heard. I love that. Samuel's name means God has heard. Signifying this. Listen, ladies. You may have cried some tears But listen, God has heard your cry. God hears your cry. God hears your moans. God hears out of your disappointment and bitterness. God hears. Eli had no discernment, no discipline. So God had to raise up Samuel to hear the voice of God to take his place. It's an incredible story. Samuel is raised to take over Eli because Eli's kids are out of control and he can't hear God's voice. And then Samuel eventually anoints David as king because God had to raise up David as king because Saul couldn't hear God's voice and had his family out of control. Everything's going crazy. See, 
which shows us this, if we don't raise up our children to hear the voice of the Lord and discern from God, God will raise up a new generation who will step in their place. God will do, but listen, I don't want anybody to work in the place of my children. I want them to have the right place in the kingdom of God. As leaders, strong men and women of God who want to lead, that God uses to reach their generation. So Hannah gives birth to Samuel. And look what it says here in verse 1 and 28. So now I give him to the Lord. For his whole life he will be given over to the Lord. And he worshiped, talking about Eli, he worshiped the Lord there at the temple. If you read the story, we understand at some point in Samuel's life, after he had been winged off of his mother's milk and grown to an age, uh, they tell us theologians believe this had been about the age of five or six, she would have taken him to the temple and dropped him off to live. Now, first of all, I want to make it very clear. Don't drop your kids off here to live. I will sell them on Facebook Marketplace. We'll do something with them. I love your kids, but I got all I can handle myself. Listen, don't, don't drop your church off, here, kids off here. Look at this statement. I think it's really good. Don't, don't give your kids to the church, but give your church to the kids. This is so important. Not to just know who Jesus is, but to experience who Jesus is. Our kids don't need to know just who Jesus is. They need to experience firsthand who Jesus is. How do they do this? Have them in the house of the Lord as much as possible. Not just on Mother's Day and Christmas and Easter, but I'm talking about it's a priority of our house that anytime we're in town, we're going to be in the house of the Lord. Anytime we have an opportunity, we're going to be in the house of the Lord. We're going to make it a priority that our children are going to be raised in the house of the Lord. Don't just give yourself, give your children the gift of the church. Listen, how do we do that? Have them in the house of the Lord. Have them involved in children's ministry from a very young age. Let them grow with other children their age. Learn about how much God loves them. Learn about how they can also have a purpose of God in their life. Get them involved in the teen ministry. Get them at the youth. I, I know you're tired, and I know it takes some effort to drive back over here when they can't drive themselves, but get them here on DCY nights. Get them here for your teens here. Listen, you need to have your children, your teens in the house as much as possible. Have them serve. Have them serve with you. Have them serve in ministry with you. Why is this important? Well, I've been doing this a long time. And I'm going to be very honest with you. Over the last three decades of ministry of my life, I can look back now and I can tell you that for the biggest majority of the parents who made it a priority for their children to be raised in church, and especially when they get them serving in church, 
those children are now grown adults, sold out, serving the church, serving God, and serving with gladness, and doing great things for the kingdom. A lot of those parents, a lot of those parents, they didn't have the same pitfalls that some of the other children had to go through. It's important. Listen, bring them to the church doesn't save them, but I can tell you it increases the odds that they're going to turn out good. It increases the odds that God can do something in their life. Listen, we are the spiritual guardians of our home. Wake up! We are the spiritual guardians of our home. Look at this statement. Learn, we got to save your kids before they need saving. Turn your neighbors and he's preaching to all of us today. Save your children before they need saving. What do you mean? Start right now. I had too many parents who want to call me up. Can you help my 17-year-old son or my 17-year-old daughter or my eight? Can you help? I, I know. And they had them out of church all these years. And all of a sudden, they want the church to come and save and fix a problem that could have been prevented if they would have kept them plugged in at an early age. I know I'm preaching to you today, right? All right. Listen, my kids may, were raised in church, and they've made a lot of mistakes, and so do your kids. But the reason why I believe my children are serving the Lord and love the Lord is because we had them in the house as much as possible. We had it as a part of our lifestyle. We served together. We attend together. We worship together. And as they grow old, they chose on their own to say, that's a part of my heritage. That's a part of my church. I'm going to serve the Lord. I look around the room and I see many of our kids that are already serving at a great level and my heart leaps within me. I say, yes, God, thank you for our children who are serving. Thank you for our teenagers who are serving. Thank you for our young adults who are serving because they're carrying on the spiritual heritage they've been given. Listen, it takes, our, it, it takes a whole church to raise a child. It does, doesn't it? It takes a whole church to raise a child. We, we need you involved in other children's life. We need you teaching their classes. We need you involved in the student ministry. We need you involved serving, all of us working together. Some of the biggest influences in my children's life came from people connected to our church. These became some of the biggest influences in their life. Some of the closest people were the people. They're closer to them than many people in their own family. Why? Because they had a great impact on their life. It's so important. Look at verse 2 and 11. So now she dropped them off, and the boy ministered before the Lord. Everybody say this word together. Under Eli the priest. So now she brings him off, drops him. Now he begins to serve under Eli, the priest. See, he was taught to serve under authority. Even though Eli was obviously had his flaws. Mom said it's important that you submit and walk under spiritual authority. If you're going to serve the Lord, you've got to understand what it means to walk under spiritual authority. See, that's why you got to be here and have your children in a local church serving in a local church because our children need to understand what it means to walk under authority. This is so important. How many of our kids have never got their big break in life? 
They never got that big break. They, they can't keep a job. They can't do this. They can't get a big, big break in their life and nothing ever works for them. Could it just be, let me just throw this out there. Could it just be that our children have never learned to submit to authority? And until you learn to submit to authority and honor those God has placed over you, God can't place you over the things he wants in him for your life until you can submit under the authority he's placed for your life. We have a lack of honor in the house of the Lord that goes beyond the house of the Lord and it goes into the schoolhouse, it goes into the workplace. Everybody thinks they know more than the teacher. Everybody thinks they know more than the, the, the work and their boss. And maybe they do and maybe they don't, but it's about submitting to authority. And when they learn to submit and get under authority, God can place them in authority over the places he has for their life. Teach your kids to be under authority. I know I'm preaching really good today. Amen, amen, amen. There we go. All right. Let's, let's, let's read this last verse here together as we get ready to close. I'm going to paraphrase this, the rest of this part of the story. Here. Verses 1 through 5, and then I'll paraphrase the rest of the chapter. Meaning, meanwhile, little Samuel was helping the Lord by assisting Eli. Messages from the Lord were very rare in those days, but the one night after Eli had gone to bed and Samuel was sleeping in the temple near the ark, the Lord called out, Samuel, Samuel. And the rest of the story goes that Samuel gets up and he runs into Eli's room and said, yes, yes, I'm, I'm what? He goes, I didn't call you. He goes, oh, okay. So he goes, Samuel goes back and gets in bed and thinks I'm just hearing things. And all of a sudden he hears, Samuel, Samuel. He gets up and he runs back into Eli's room. And says, Eli, what do you want? He goes, I didn't call you. Boy, you must be dreaming. You're hearing things. And he goes back and, all right. He lays down again. As he lays down again, he hears, Samuel, Samuel. And he goes back and he's like, Eli, I'm not calling you, son. He goes, but if you hear God's voice, yeah, it could be God's voice. If you're hearing something, that could be God. We are in the temple. We are in the place. He goes, you may be hearing God speak to you. So if you hear that call again, say, yes, Lord, here am I. And so sure enough, he hears the voice, Samuel, Samuel. And he says, yes, Lord, here am I. And God begins to speak to Samuel. God begins to say, Samuel, I'm going to use you. Samuel, I've got a great plan for your life. And Samuel went on to be one of the greatest prophets that Israel had ever known. He learned to hear the voice of God. He learned to discern the voice of God. He led spiritual formation and reformation in that time that was much needed. He helped bring in King David. What are we doing today? What do you do when your heart's broken? What do you do when the thing you've dreamed about hasn't happened yet? Is, are you mad because it's what you want? Or have you submitted to saying, God, I want what you want? How many of us have been sleepwalking through life just trying to survive? I get it. I've been there before. Five kids, I understand. Just trying to survive today and get through this week. Been there, done that. But listen, we can't sleepwalk our way through life. We, we got to make sure we're on purpose. We got to make sure we're on point that we are teaching our children the most important things. I want you to bow your heads this morning. 
Matter of fact, I want to invite you. Just, just, can I get all the women in the house just to stand up where you're at this morning? All the women. I don't care if you're a mother or not a mother. If you're a lady, just stand up in the house. I just want to pray for all the ladies of the house today. Come on, Dad. Stretch your hands towards some of these ladies standing up. Let's pray over them. Father, in Jesus' name, Lord, I thank you for every woman who's a gift from God today. I come against every evil word that's ever been spoken against them that has caused bitterness, hurt, to doubt their self-image. And God, today I speak right now over their mind that God, they would understand that they are valued of you. They are loved of you. And today, God, they are precious in your sight. And God, you see the brokenhearted. And you see the woman who wants to be a mother and it hasn't happened yet. And Father, right now, I begin to speak as faith is rising in the house, Lord. Right now, if that's you, just raise it. God, I'm ready. God, right now, I'm ready. God, I'm speaking life right now, God. I'm speaking life over that person. I'm speaking life to that womb. I'm speaking life right now, God. May faith arise. And God, right now, for the person who's disappointed, God, I pray right now that God, you allow that bitterness to be placed at the altar this morning. And I I pray right now that, God, you're healing our hearts of bitterness and disappointment. And, God, you're allowing a God-birthed dream to be renewed in our life. God, you're allowing healing to take place right now, emotional healing for hurtful words, shaming, God, disappointments. And, God, I pray right now that, God, I set free in the mind of the ladies in the house today. May they rise to a whole mother level just like Hannah. God, may they rise up to a different level. Level. And God, I pray right now that you're raising up spiritual women who are going to lead well, who are going to train their children well, who are going to leave a godly heritage right now. Father, I thank you in Jesus' name. As we all stand up and join them this morning, right now, come on, let's just tell the Lord, Lord, we love you. God, we give you praise. Come on, give him praise this morning.